But I do want to thank uh, all of the leadership and staff here at uh, Menohaven um, for the, all the parts they've played, maintaining this place and making it open to us. All the little parts from, from the water to uh, Rice Krispie Treats to all the little parts everyone played in helping make this whole weekend what it is. Uh, I think we can give God and these people a round of applause. Well, uh, yesterday I, I had to check with the doc to make sure he was here because uh, I kind of rejiggered this whole um, sermon for him. I promised him yesterday that uh, I was covering all of truth. Um, so, uh, from Genesis to Numbers to Psalms to Hebrews, we're even going to touch on Revelation. So, that's what we're getting at. <laughs> what time is lunch? It's going to be a long one. From creation to the promised land to eternal rest. Here we go. I don't remember what in our conversation compelled me to make that promise, promise but uh, um, after rewriting the entire sermon, uh, here we are today. So buckle in, grab a refreshment if you need it, because we're going to be on a long, wild ride. Entering the promised land, that's our title this morning. Um, it would have been a much shorter message today if we had just uh, done all this Bible study, Bible stuff the right way. It had been something like God creates and rests, uh, mankind fills the world and finds joy and rest in God, and we find joy and rest in all He's created. That been a pretty short sermon today, but. This is what we're stuck with. <laughs> Would have made for more leisure today. I don't know how they will get home from driving. But instead, I guess uh, I got some explaining to do. <laughs> the uh, concept of God's Sabbath starts almost right at the beginning. In Genesis 2. Um, sometimes it can feel as if chapters and verses of the Bible are broken up arbitrarily. Um, in fact, the passage I'm looking at today in Hebrews actually bridges to uh, bridges a chapter break. But this, in this case, I think the placement of the of God resting in chapter 2 of Genesis um, had some theological backing and reasoning behind it. God creates and then he rests. And chapter 2 being separated from that rest, uh, that creative creation narrative, presents, presents mankind within that rest. There's no reason to believe, not to believe, that earth was intended to be the eternal 
home of man. But it's no longer that way. There's a juvenile caricature of what our afterlife looks like. Um, this idea, a lot of unbelievers, atheists, scoff at it, uh, us boringly floating in the sky, doing nothing. They roll their eyes at it. And uh, that's not what we see evident in reality in Scripture. In fact, in Revelation, we see that a new heaven and a new earth are going to come down and replace this one. See that dot? That's Revelation. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> a little bit left. <laughs> Imagine the best experiences of life and none of the bad. Now couple that with God's presence. I think there we're at the very tip of what our promised land our eternal Sabbath rest looks like. Very different picture than they might present in the movies. Or maybe in fairy tales. But yet soon, after we find mankind living in that rest, living in that promise, it was broken by sin. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, and work became toil and troublesome. Their son came, would become the epitome of restlessness caused by sin, left to wander the world. I think that same restlessness lives in us. Isaiah 57, it says, But the wicked are like a tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and metal. My God says, There is no peace for the wicked. There's a cliche phrase, No rest for the wicked. That's in us as well. We don't really fully have that eternal Sabbath rest within us while we live on this earth. That struggle is carried on to his chosen people, the Hebrew people. God's chosen people often look like more like his chosen example. I wonder if God could have found a worse example of people to follow. I say that kind of in jest, but in many ways, they're a really bad example of what following God could look like. Kind of like you and me at times. But they did have something that most of the people didn't have at that time. And that was just a little faith. 
got to make a little face into a really big deal. The author of Hebrew covers the gamut of scripture and directs it all to Jesus. And here, the Hebrew people are reminded of their ancestors' failures in the desert. I should have had you turn, if you have your Bibles, uh, to Hebrews um, chapter 3. I know the bulletin says 4, but we'll get there too. <laughs> That's the main part. Hebrews 3, 7 through 19. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers where your fathers tested it, their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. So I declare on oath and my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I'm going to rest a moment and explain on that passage a little bit. Because, man, sinful, unbelieving heart, uh, that scares me a bit, you know. Um, I looked into it, and, uh, and a more uh, literal translation of that is wicked heart of unbelief. It's that unbelief that is the wickedness. Back into the scripture. But encourage one another daily, as long as day, as long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Is this today? Is right now today? Stand firm in your faith in God. We remember the story from Numbers 13 here. You know, that time they are standing at the edge of the promised land. They send 12 spies into the land to get a report. They, everyone brings back a true and trustworthy report of the land. There's plenty for everyone. Great clusters, the size of humans. But then people big enough to eat great clusters, the size of humans. There was bad within good in that land. Or at least things for people to fear. And that's the report that was brought back. And unfortunately, those Hebrew people who had just come out of Egypt couldn't see past their fear into faith in their Lord. That's what the author of Hebrews is reminding these Jewish people of in this passage. A 
the constant failure and rebellion of their own ancestors. <clears throat> but God, nevertheless, makes very much of disreputable faith. Only those two that said, we should go in and take this land. Only those would end up coming into the promised land 40 years later. How many times do we see God taking just one faithful person and making so much just a little bit? Who are we who heard? Yeah. Who, who are we who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt, and all with whom he was angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned whose body fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter His rest, if not those? Who disobeyed. So we see that there will not that there were not that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. It took forty years to correct that within these people. They were just weeks out of Egypt and could have entered that Sabbath rest that God had promised. Maybe it's fast and quick that it only took them 40 years to figure it out. That would probably take me 80. On to chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was one of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall not, never enter my rest. The author likens the promised land uh, the promise of entering Canaan to the good news of Jesus and he calls it the gospel. The promised land was that Old Testament gospel to these people, that good news. But he asks us to combine it with faith. Don't turn back from the edge as God is calling you forward. It just takes a little faith for God to make a big thing happen. <coughs> and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day of these words, 
And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter the rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time after later he spoke through Daniel, David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Is this today? Is this today? Stand firm in your faith in God. Here we see the Sabbath reference in comparison to the promised land. It is by faith Israel would enter the promised land. In the same way, we will enter eternal Sabbath rest through Jesus. Don't harden your hearts as the other here. Still, as he compares the promised land that Joshua and Caleb and then the new descendants that came in after the original Hebrew people left Egypt, he compares that with that eternal rest. But that wasn't to be the end for us. It wasn't the final rest. He said there was a day to come that we could see it. Israel, the promised land, Canaan, it was all supposed to be a taste of what will come. And what was the disobedience about? It's not having the faith to enter that promised land. It wasn't some other sin that might show our corrupt moral character. And a people who didn't know and trust that. They were right there on the edge. And sometimes we can be 
you standing in that same way, not willing to go forth in faith that God has great things for us just over that border. have rest in Jesus. 